back here on the AUA Inside Track podcast. As hospitals prepare for the worst during the COVID-19 pandemic, most have postponed or canceled non-essential surgeries and are taking steps to preserve supplies of PPE. Dr. Ben Davies joins us now to discuss this. He is a professor of urology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine in Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania took early steps to minimize COVID-19 transmission and closed non-essential businesses and schools nearly two weeks ago. So what are you currently seeing at your hospital and how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted urology in Pittsburgh? Our governor, Governor Wolf, was very quick to bring non-essential businesses closed for almost two weeks now, and we've been in shelter in place for about five days. If you look at the curves out of Washington and out of New York, this was relatively quick action when you compare how many cases we've had. So we're hopeful that Governor Wolf's uh, actions will really flatten the curve out in terms of incidents here. At the present time, we have about 150 cases of COVID in our community around Pittsburgh, and we've had about 40 hospitalizations and something like 10 ICU patients and two deaths. Unfortunately, there's about a two-day doubling of cases, um, so we're just entering our steep part of the curve, and we're guesstimating that we're going to see a lot more cases as the week to week and a half comes by. We don't really know, you know, what trajectory we're going to be on. Are we going to be on the Taiwan trajectory or Japan trajectory? If you look, if you look at the graphs, they fall off quickly with good shelter in place and masking. We're just not sure. We hope that's the case. We've certainly been quicker than other cities around the country, so we're hoping that we're going to be ready for the storm when it happens in a week and a half or two weeks. What other specific measures has your team taken in preparing for the influx of COVID-19 patients? I guess we've thought about it in two ways, and I think most departments have. We have a sort of resident issue, both education and how we're going to use the residents, and then we have sort of our clinical issue. And we were pretty quick to pass around between the attendings and what cases we thought were split up between emergencies, essential, and elective. And relatively quickly, despite some of the media attention on our institution, we stopped elective cases relatively quickly last week and now doing essential cancer care. And we've used, you know, there's been quite a few guidelines put out there. We've sort of looked and appreciated the European guidelines first and some sort of local input, obviously, and really small kidney cancers are not being treated, low intermediate risk prostate cancer by and large not being treated and really just concentrated our care to muscle-invasive bladder cancer surgeries and large kidney tumors, which, you know, isn't that much. You know, once you take away the other parts of our practice, um, we're probably doing going to do two bladders this week and next week. I've decided to keep up our clinical trial work, so we have a SWOG-1802 prostate cancer trial. I've decided to do that. Those cases, which there aren't many, but we have one next week. Uh, so we've pared down, and I think the idea of, of paring down is multi-pronged. It's not only preservation of PPEs. It's also there's some swirling science of operating with COVID patients that we don't understand. I'll give give you an example. It's pretty well understood that transmission of the virus happens about 50% of the time with asymptomatic patients. So we very well could have a patient come into the hospital, and this happened in Wuhan, and in Milan, who with no symptoms, who has COVID and spreads it to the hospital staff uh, relatively easily. We don't, obviously, we don't want that to happen. And just this morning, 
I read that in Boston, up to 100 uh, workers in uh, Brigham, I believe it was, have COVID. So we, we don't want that to happen, and we don't really have the testing capabilities yet to test all patients who are having non-essential surgery or essential surgery. So we are trying to get that amped up from a system perspective, but we simply don't have the testing capabilities as yet to do that. So we are at a standstill with a lot of our cases. We're trying to be thoughtful about what we do. Um, in terms of residents, we've gone to a system where we've really pared down resident exposure. It's really uh, the residents are either doing non-clinical care or clinical care. And the clinical care, obviously, consults need to be taken care of. The few surgeries that we're doing, we're still having residents there. But the non-clinical are on sort of this uh, educational track. And I believe that we're doing it every other day. So, um, or every, I'm sorry, every other week so that there's a full week rest uh, and then back on clinical. So that's where we are kind of preparing for the onslaught we think we're going to see in the next few weeks. What about establishing COVID-19 zones and things of that nature within the hospital? Can you tell us anything about that or what you guys are doing there? Sure. So there have been lots of different models for how to take care of COVID patients, not, not, not urologic specific, but I'm sure you're aware that in parts of Italy and definitely in Wuhan, they had specific hospitals designated as COVID hospitals. Our leadership has decided not to do that in part because our hospitals are quite spread apart and it wouldn't really be very efficient for us to do that. So each hospital um, has designated areas for COVID or rule out COVID patients are going to go to, and there'll be other parts of our hospital currently now that are non-COVID areas. So it's kind of parallel tracks of care speciated by COVID or ruling out COVID versus not. So that's how we're going to do it. And, you know, it may be a scenario where we become overwhelmed at certain hospitals that need to be all COVID, and then we'll try and divert emergencies that aren't COVID related to other hospitals. And it's kind of a moving target, and I'm not really at the upper level conversations. I'm at sort of, a, I call it the second tier, but, you know, we're trying to deal with the best we can and trying to learn from the other institutions that see the problem before us so we can be um, prepared. Yeah, and we've heard stories about ERs overrun with COVID-19, and any other thoughts on how this impacts patients with urologic emergencies? We are hoping that our population density and our early quarantining or shelter-in-placing, that won't happen to us. Uh, we already have a few places around the city that have been designated as potential places where overcapacity patients will go to. But I think as far as urology patients are concerned, um, we've been pretty proactive about telemedicine and phone conversations. And I think that we, we, you know, the few emergencies that we've had in the past few weeks, we've been able to take care of without a problem. The, the, what we're worried about is if our ORs are um, taken over and become intensive care units. I mean, thankfully, to be honest, as your listeners fully know, the urologic emergencies are relatively infrequent. And I don't think that, that the absolute numbers will overwhelm our system. That would be I think rare. Maybe we'd be more, you know, more conservative about stenting and better, you know, more more outpatient pain management if we can keep patients from coming to the emergency room. I think that's been going to be our approach, uh, although we're relatively aggressive about doing that now. I don't think our patients need to worry about specific emergencies, things like torsion, masses that are palpable, you know, uh, stents that are needed to be placed for for pain or infection, I think we'll be able to manage that. And those surgeries are very quick. So I, I can't imagine it would be in a situation where we couldn't, we couldn't manage that. And, and part of my um, role here, I do help manage the operating room. And um, we've 
We have designated operating rooms for COVID-positive patients. We have yet to use them, but if we need to, we have that set up and ready to go. I think we're as prepared as we can. I mean, one thing that we don't know is how many we're going to get. Um, if our current um, community rate of infection keeps in its current trajectory, we're hopeful that we'll be able to meet the demand um, if our in-shelter preparations flatten out. Is there anything else on your mind about how this pandemic is impacting clinical trials and research that you want to touch on? I mean, it's definitely impacting our clinical trials, um, part because we don't want our patients being exposed and um, we're not going to actively recruit patients uh, during the pandemic to any number of trials we have going on. I'm going to keep doing the surgeries that we have already randomized to, uh, but I can imagine recruitment is going to be a problem. And it's also important to remember that uh, there's good data, or relatively good data from uh, Italy, showing that cancer patients are disproportionately affected by the virus, something like 30 or 40%, and uh, their course is also uh, disproportionately poor. So we want to protect our cancer patients best we can, and how we do that is by keeping them outside of the hospital best we can. So I, I see the clinical trial recruitment being a big problem. And I don't think it's really in the forefront of our mind as we prepare what we expect to be a lot of COVID patients in the next few weeks. Do you have any other final takeaways for our audience? I, I don't have anything specific, but I do think most urologists in major urban centers like I am are preparing for what will likely be non-urologic care. So brushing up on how we can help our emergency room colleagues with non-COVID patients. I know that I'm probably going to be either in the emergency room helping out with surgical issues, traumas, anything that we can kind of um, help our colleagues um, with their workload. I suspect that's in our near future in the coming weeks. And hopefully, um, God willing, in one to two months, we get over this and get back to our normal urology lives. Dr. Ben Davies is a professor of urology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Davies. My pleasure, Casey.